Good morning, everyone. It is such a pleasure to be together with the women of Kol Tarimetzion, and I'm very grateful to Kol Tarimetzion for inviting me. It's always a privilege to be with you and to be able to study together with you. And I look forward to today uh, to share with you something that is partially based on a shiur of Ravon Lichtenstein, a blessed memory. And it's a message that I think applies to every one of us and it is particularly relevant to us this year. The Megillah is the story of the Jewish people during the time of Ahasuerus, what happened to the Jewish people, how we were saved. But the Megillah is also something else. The Gemara says, Amra Shmuel bar Yehuda, Shalcha lehem Esther. L'chachamim. Esther sent a message to the Chachamim of her time, Kiva'uni Ledoros. Establish my story for all generations. And we read Megillus Esther every year to fulfill Esther's request, to tell her story. And we call it Megillus Esther, the story of Esther. So in addition to it being a narrative of a national scope of what happened to Klal Yisrael at that time, in which Esther was certainly a pivotal character, it is also Esther's own story. And we need to pay attention to her character, to her growth and development. And the Megillah operates on these two levels simultaneously. The story of what happens to the Jewish people and the story of what happens to Esther as an individual. Kavauni Ledoros. Write down my story for all generations. Because in learning about Esther's story, there is a clear shift. There is a development, a growth in her character. Esther, at the beginning of the story, is not the same Esther at the end of the story. And that's the story Esther wants us to learn and wants us to apply to our lives. At the beginning, we learn that Esther is beautiful. She is a young woman who lacks power or initiative or independence. Vayihi omenes hadasahi Esther bazdodo ki ein la of va'em. Esther was an orphan. Her parents were not alive. She was raised by Mordechai. Vahanaroyifas tor v'tovas mare. The young girl was very beautiful. And when her parents died, Mordechai took her and raised her as his own daughter. She was an orphan. Then when it happened 
The king Ahasuerus was searching for a new queen. Vatilakach Esther al Esther was taken. Notice the passive voice. She didn't choose to go there. She was taken, probably against her will. Passive. She is a person who is acted upon. Once she gets there, Lohigida Esther es Amaves Molarita. She doesn't tell anyone about her. She has no identity. She has no background. She is a, a secret person, a quiet, unknown person. And as she is prepared passively to meet Achashverosh, Lo Bikshadavar, she doesn't ask for anything. She has no needs, she has no wants, she has no desires, she makes no decisions. Completely passive. She doesn't ask for anything. Only what is given to her without her asking for it does she have. And then finally, Vatila Kach Esther El Hamelech Achashverosh. She is taken to Achashverosh. Again, passively. No act on her part. No initiative on her part. She is a passive observer of her life. And she does what she is told. Ein Esther Magedes Moladita Vesama. Esther does not tell her background, her people. Kasher Tzivo Mordechai, because Mordechai told her not to do it. Vesmamar Mordechai Esther Osa. Esther listens to what Mordechai says. She does not make her own independent decisions. She is passive. She follows what others tell her. Mordechai tells her, don't say anything. She listens to him because she has always listened to him. The Talmud actually asks this in a technical manner. But it also illuminates something about her character. The Talmud says, how could she have allowed herself to be taken to Ahasuerosh? How could she be physically together to, and to, to be married to a non-Jewish man? So the Talmud says, of course, well, it was against her will. She was forced. But the Talmud uses a phrase that is important in a technical sense, a halachic technical sense, but it is also indicative of a psychological state. The Talmud says, Esther karka olamhi. Esther remained passive. She lay down and did nothing. She did not participate in the physical act. It was done to her, but that expresses really her character in other areas of life. She was karka olam. She was acted upon. She did not act of her own initiative. The Talmud asked the famous question. Esther menatora minayan. What is the hint to Esther in the Torah? The Talmud quotes famously the Pasuk in Dvarim. Anochi hastir aster ponai bayomahu. God says on that day, 
I shall certainly hide my face. And that is true on two levels. The story of Purim is about the story of God hiding his face from us. God's name is not mentioned in the Megillah. We do not see any overt miracles. What happens is behind the scenes from one who is hidden. Yes, so the entire narrative of Purim is an expression of Hester Panim, God's hiding his face. But it is also true about Esther herself. Esther is Hester Panim. Esther is hidden. Nothing about her is known except that she is beautiful and charming and passive. And then we meet a completely different woman who displays an initiative that we never would have expected from her. <clears throat> she figures out a strategy. She instructs, Vayomer HaMelech, Maharu es Haman, Laasos es Dvar Esther. Esther comes up with a strategy to invite Haman to a meal with only she and Haman and Ahasuerus present. And Ahasuerus says, immediately, go tell Haman to listen to what Esther says. Esther is now the one giving the orders. El Esther. Esther is making the meal. Esther is doing the actions. And at that meal, Ahasuerus turns to her and says, Ma What do you want? Whatever you want will be granted. No longer will decisions be made for you. You will now make decisions that affect others. And she figures out a strategy. Her first request is, Yavo HaMelech Vahaman El Asher I want you, Achashverosh, and Haman to come to another Mishteh that I will make for you tomorrow. I am instructing you. I am doing it. This is my wish. This is what I want to happen. And then she figures out a strategy to lead Haman into a trap. And she does that by manipulating Achashverosh. Because after that first meal, Haman leaves that first meal thinking he's on top of the world. No one else was invited to this Mishnah except for him that was done and instituted and commanded by Esther, attended by Ahasuerus. And he comes home and he brags about how Esther is now in charge and thinks so highly of him that he is invited again the next day. And by this time, it is Esther instructing Mordechai. Esther becomes the person with courage 
and with confidence and with strategy, she becomes the personality. She becomes the leader overshadowing Mordechai. Now, instead of Mordechai instructing Esther, it is Esther instructing Mordechai and Mordechai following everything that she insists. Vatilbash Esther Malchus. Esther dresses in royalty. She dresses as a queen. And that phrase, Vatilbash Esther Malchus, refers not only to the clothing that she wears, but to her demeanor, to her sense of confidence, to her role as a leader and an instructor and an instigator, one who acts on, not is acted on. <clears throat> then she tells the story. At its conclusion, Vatichtov Esther Amalka Basavikhail Umordachai Haihudi as called Tokev. They write they write down the story. Esther and Mordechai. Esther is the lead writer. Esther writes the Megillah. And she is the one who insists to the Chachamim that it should be instituted for all time and celebrated and repeated every year. Kiva'uni Ladoros, the Gemara I quoted to you before, she is the one who instructs that her story be retold and celebrated every year. Umamar Estar Kiam Purim Esther's words were established by our sages. And the words of Purim, the words of the Megillah, are written down and expressed every year by the entire Jewish people. That is all done by Esther. What happened? What changed? There is one Pasuk, one key to the entire story, on which Esther's development and her success turns. <clears throat> when Haman's decree is made known, Jews everywhere react, and Esther is very distraught. Batavona Naros Esther Vesarisea the messengers, her assistants, came to Esther and told her about what Haman had managed to get Achashverus to agree to, to wipe out the entire Jewish people. Batiskal Chal Hamalkamaod. She was hysterical. She was confused. She was very, very upset. But consistent with her personality in the first half of the Megillah, she feels powerless to do anything about it. She 
she calls to Mordechai and Mordechai tells her what she should do. Mordechai tells her what to do. But she's not able. There's nothing for me to do. I can't approach Achashverosh. I don't have the ability to approach Achashverosh. I don't have the tools to be able to respond to this impending challenge. I'm not the right person. And then Mordechai sends Esther a message. It's a message of criticism. It's a terrible message. It's the kind of message that you could only send to someone that you know very, very well, because otherwise it's the kind of message that would crush a person's spirit. Now we might expect that Mordechai's criticism of Esther to be, <coughs> Esther, don't be so weak. Don't be so frightened. Don't worry about the danger in going to speak to the king. Overcome your shyness. Overcome your fear. Don't be like you've always been. Go speak to the king. Now, of course, if that is what Mordechai would have said to Esther, that would put Esther in a partially good light because her inaction, her refusal to go to Achashverosh, though cowardly, it's part of her nature. The truth is, the Esther that we know at the beginning of the story, we are not surprised that she would be afraid to go to Ahasuerus. And she would be able to defend herself against Mordechai's criticism by saying, but I am weak. Nothing in my life has ever prepared me to act in such a decisive fashion. I'm a passive person. I'm a quiet person. And then she will either rise to the occasion or not. But that's not what Mordechai says. Mordechai does not say something that at least would give Esther a line to defend herself based on what we know about her character. What Mordechai actually says to Esther is potentially much more damaging, puts her in a much less favorable light. Mordechai says to Esther, Vayomer Mordechai la'ashivel Esther, Al tadami b'nafshech lihimolei b'samelech mikol ha'yudim. Don't think that just because you're the queen, 
and you're living in the palace with Achashverosh, that you are going to be saved if the Jews are harmed. Because if you are quiet at this moment, at this critical moment in Jewish history, there will be someone else who will stand up. There will be someone else who will come to the aid of the Jewish people. But viat tavedu. But you, you will be lost. You will not survive. Umiyodeya who knows if perhaps this is the reason that you are here. In other words, Mordechai accuses Esther of believing that even if all the other Jews would be destroyed, God forbid, by Haman, that she will be spared because of her position in, in Ahasuerus's palace. And he says to her, that's not true. But the criticism, explains Rav Lichtenstein, the accusation that Mordechai is leveling against Esther, is that you, Esther, you're reluctant to take action, not because you're weak or shy, but because you don't care enough about the rest of Klal Yisrael. He says to her, and again, keep in mind, he knows her better than anyone else. He says to her, you think this is not going to affect you personally? You think that you're not in danger because you're protected by being the queen? That the danger only applies to the Jews out there somewhere else. And that's why you're not so desperate. That's why you insist on following etiquette. I can't go to the king because it's not the right protocol. It's not the right etiquette. You only say that because you think you personally are not in danger. But if you really cared about Klal Yisrael... Mordechai says to Esther, if you treated the danger to other Jews as if it was a danger to you yourself, as if it, you personally are in danger, you wouldn't worry about protocol. You wouldn't worry about etiquette. It's only because you personally feel safe that you say that there's nothing that you can do. It is a frightening powerful accusation against Esther. <clears throat> In other words, Mordechai says to Esther, this is the moment of your test. It's not a test of your boldness. It's a test of your concern for Klal Yisrael. And the test is one simple question. Do I care enough? Or don't I? Now, what is absolutely incredible is how at that very moment, Esther rises to her full height and becomes Esther Hamalka, 
the words I quoted to you before, Vatilbash Esther Malchus. Esther dresses as a queen, and it doesn't refer just to her clothing. It refers to her bearing. It refers to her resolve. It refers to her understanding of her role within the unfolding of this narrative. She realizes that her life is not just a personal matter, but her life is intrinsically bound up with Klal Yisrael as a whole. And once she finds within herself the will, then she also finds within herself the way to achieve it. And she says, Go and gather together all of the Jews. That's not just a strategy that praying and fasting will be part of the miraculous undoing of this terrible decree. Le Kenosis Kol HaYehudim is also a response to Mordechai's accusation. You say that I don't care about Klal Yisrael? You say that I'm only interested in saving myself? I understand now that the danger to any individual Jew is my personal danger. That's the moment when Esther takes over. That's the moment when there is a shift and it becomes Esther's story. From that moment, Vayavor Mordechai, Vayaz Kechol Asher Love Esther. Mordechai observes and fulfills everything that Esther commands. Esther takes over. And all of the rest of the unfolding becomes Esther's doing, Esther's decisions, Esther's plans, Esther's leadership. She's the one who manipulates Ahasuerus. She is the one who stands up to Haman. She is the one who takes the lead in establishing Purim as a Yamtov in order for us to review her story, her personal growth. Now, what's very interesting is that alongside the narrative, the story of what happens, there are also several mitzvahs that are mentioned as being part of the celebration of Purim. There's a mitzvah of a Purim su'uda and the mitzvah to read the Megillah. Those two mitzvahs are obvious. To have a Purim Su'uda, to celebrate the salvation of the Jewish people, and to read the Megillah. Esther says, Kiva'uni Ladoros, read my story. So those two mitzvahs clearly come from the narrative itself. But what about the other two mitzvahs of Purim? Mishlach manos ish to send gifts of food to our friends. Umatanos levyonim, and to give gifts to those who are needy. Where do those two mitzvahs come from? Neither of those two mitzvahs are part of the narrative. They have no connection 
to the story of what unfolds. How did they become Purim mitzvahs? Without question, Mordechai wants, I'm sorry, Esther wants Mordechai's challenge to her directed to every one of us. Problems surround us. Problems of assimilation, problems of Jews who are distant from tradition. Today, especially the terrible problem of otherwise religious Jews who are not acting properly in following the clear laws of the Torah and protecting health and life. We see around us great problems and we think to ourselves, what can I do about it? Who am I to do something about it? How can I make a difference in these great problems? Mordechai says to us, to every one of us, to you and me, a terrible accusation. How much of our inaction is based on weakness, lack of certainty in how to proceed, or how much of it is based on apathy? How much do we really care if it doesn't directly affect me personally? And every single one of us in our lives face the same challenge Esther faced. Do we really care enough about Klal Yisrael? Do we really care enough that what happens to any Jew is happening to me? Because if we do really care enough, then the lack of certainty over what to do, the lack of expertise or experience in handling this problem will not be an obstacle as it was not for Esther. Our response, like Esther, to the great challenges of our time must be exactly the same. Lech kenos es kol Develop within ourselves the feeling that what happens to any Jew happens to every Jew. That if there is a Jew in danger, whether it is physical or spiritual or emotional, it is my danger. And we have to act with that connection to every single Jew, to help everyone who is needy, to help every friend find gladness on Purim. These mitzvos, mitzloach manos, and matanos levyonim, they are not part of the narrative. They are the essence of the solution to see and to act on the connectedness of every single Jew it's happening to me. And if it's happening to me, I will somehow figure out a way to help. That is how Esther saved the Jewish people. By realizing that and putting it into action. And that is what Esther wants us to learn from her story. Kiva'uni Lidoros. Write it down and tell my story for all generation. Because in every generation, Jews will face the same problem. 
and they'll have the same excuse and the same criticism will be leveled against them. And they will need to find the same response. Esther's story, how she did it, is how we can do it. Martin Luther King once wrote, If a man is 36 years old, as I happen to be at the time that he wrote this, and some great truth stands before the door of his life, and he refuses to stand up because he wants to live a little longer, and he's afraid that his home will get bombed, or he's afraid that he will lose his job, he's afraid that he will get shot or beaten down by state troopers, he may go on and live until he's 80, but he's just as dead at 36 as he would be at 80. And the state of breathing in his life is merely the announcement of an earlier death of the spirit. Margaret Mead wrote, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. On Purim, through our actions and through our introspection, we must make the needs of other Jews our needs. Umi yodea im laes kazos he got Who knows if every single one of us has been put into the position in which we find ourselves standing right now at this moment to be able to affect a change that we never imagined we would be capable of. Every one of us must find the malchus, the sovereignty, the leadership for which we are uniquely qualified and to put it to its proper use. My friends, I wish for me and I wish for you that each of us is able to rise like Esther to Malchus, to be able to confront problems we never thought we would be able to have something to say and to find our voice, to find our leadership, because today, just like then, the fate of the Jewish people is in the hands of every single one of us. My friends, I thank you very much. I want to wish you all a very happy Purim. And I hope that very soon we're able to gather together in person to study Torah, to learn from each other, and to be able to grow as a community. Happy Purim.